So if you're in your Bibles at Leviticus chapter 1, Leviticus chapter 1 and verse 2 to 4, what you have there is the children of Israel, they were making their way out of, the, out of Egypt and now they were heading towards the promised land and they were under this leadership, the leadership of Moses, right? But I'd like to point out something else especially when it comes to Leviticus. It's about giving to God and how it's serving God. Giving to God is serving God. And before we keep going, let's open up in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you for today, and I thank you, Lord, for this opportunity. I thank you for uh, Pastor White as well, for the church, and for everyone that's gathered in here. I pray, Father, that you would get a hold of their heart, you would get a hold of my heart, and uh, from the message that you would really speak through your word to every one of us. I pray that uh, everyone's heart would be stirred to make that decision towards you, to choose you more than everything else. And I pray that you would be worshipped and honored here today. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. As the children of Israel, as I was saying, as the children of Israel were making their way right outside, right out of Egypt, you can see that they were commanded to do something. Now, just before Exodus ended, they were commanded to build a tabernacle. And if you know it, if you remember, actually, just before they even left Egypt, some of the words, especially Moses, when he was speaking through Aaron to Pharaoh, the reason why they had to leave Egypt was what? Let my people go that they may serve me. Thus saith the Lord, let my people go that they may serve me. It is God's will for it to be serving him. Now, they were about to serve him in the aspect of giving. God liberated the Israelites so that they could serve him. Did you know that that's also God's will for you today? The reason why you were brought out of sin The reason why you were saved is so that you can serve God. And there's no exception to that. Everyone had a part. Back when there was the tabernacle, and even today, everyone has a part in serving God. And here, when the tabernacle was being built, what we see is that everyone had a part of it. Everyone had a part to play in building it. And now what we get to is the Levites. We get to the priests, and what God opens up with is, here's a manual on how you can serve me in the aspect of the priests. Now, before you shut down your brains and say, oh, okay, that's uh, that's for the priests, I don't have to pay attention to that, just so you know, 1 Peter 2.9, but ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. Every person that calls themselves a Christian, every person that would call themselves into the family of God who would consider themselves inside the family of God, are technically part of this priesthood, this royal priesthood. You are called to serve God. So this manual that God gives begins, and he, here's what he expects of every one of us. And there are also applications that we can apply even today. There's three applications that we can apply The first one is that when you give to God, it needs to be personal. And here's what I mean. Look here in verse number three. 
If his offering be a burnt sacrifice of the herd, let him offer a male without blemish. He shall offer it of his own voluntary will at the door. His own voluntary will. God requires that you serve him, not out of force, but out of your own free will. Your free will is probably one of the greatest gifts that God has ever, ever given you. you. Do you realize that? This country was built on that foundation to give the free will for a person to worship God. That's why America exists. That's why Canada exists. So that we can worship God freely. So free will is also the reason why Adam even got to choose. Adam was given a choice. Adam was given a choice to choose God or choose sin. And in order for free will to be exercised, there has to be a choice. Right? And you know about choices. You know that you've been given a choice. You're given a choice every single morning. Right? When I was younger, when, uh, when we would go, I was in elementary school back in, uh, back in Quebec. And there was a time, there was a special time where we would, uh, we would be allowed to leave the classroom and we would be allowed to go into the school library. And I, we're talking elementary school. We didn't have such, uh, you know, elaborate books or anything like that. But what we did have were some encyclopedias. That was one of my favorite sections, encyclopedias and dictionaries. Another section was uh, the comics and the graphic novels. And there was another section, and it was mainly like these novels with, uh, with pictures in them. I really couldn't understand how people could read books without pictures. That, that, that was me back in the day. But there was one time where I would go to the novel section, and it was for these books that were called Make Your Own Adventure. Have you heard of these books? Anyone heard of these books? All right. As you're reading them, when the plot thickens, it gives you five or six different choices. And according to these choices you make in the book, it tells you to turn to a different page. By the end of the story, you can make up up to 40 different stories out of one book. Isn't that the coolest book ever? You had choices in your book. You weren't forced to read what the author wanted you to read. You know, you can make your own choice and turn the plot however you wanted, to, wanted it to. And that was fun. I, I really liked it. That was one of my favorite uh, sections to read from. And here's the thing. Even today, even when we go out, you know, when we want to go eat, especially in Canada, we have so much more choices than any other country. We have so many different cultures we can eat from when it comes to restaurants. You know, you're not... Uh, you're not forced to eat what they, they would say Canadian food. You can eat Japanese food. You can eat Korean food. You can eat Chinese food, Indian food, whatever you want. There's choices. Your free will is what allows you to choose those. You're not forced to eat anything. Right? And the thing is, God presents himself in the same way so that you may choose him rather than anything else. Let me have you turn, maybe keep a little marker on Leviticus because we'll be coming back, but let me have you turn to Matthew chapter 6. When it comes to the topic of your choices, what does God want you to do? 
Chapter 6, verse number 3. 33, excuse me. Chapter 6, verse number 33 says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. God loves you, and he wants you to choose him back. See, he cares about your life. He cares about the choices you make. He cares about everything you do. And if you think about it, the most omnipotent being in this universe, doesn't he have the power to force you to do something? He created this universe. How easy would it be to force you to do something? Right? How easy is it to move our hand, to be honest? If you think about it, all it takes sometimes is a a phone call from Canada Revenue, and we're forced to make a decision right away. Right? We get scam calls because of that. Because they want, to make, they want to force us to make a decision. But God isn't like that. He allows you to make a voluntary choice. He allows you to make a decision out of your, your voluntary will. See, God is a gentleman. There's a small story. A man, he's in love with a girl. And he wants this girl to fall in love back with him. And he tries everything he could with his, in his power. Nothing works. So he goes on Craigslist and he finds this really shady looking thing. And this guy, he says that he can uh, make a potion for him that uh, would allow this girl or whoever drinks this potion to fall in love with him. So sure enough, he tries, he tries it. He buys the potion and everything. And, you know, he slips it into the next cup of coffee that he gives the girl. And she drinks it. Sure enough, she falls in love with him. But ask yourself this question. Is that really love? If she was forced to do it? It's because God loves you that you have a choice. God loves you. That's why you have a choice to make every time. He doesn't force you to make these decisions. You can do it on your own. See, God is a gentleman. He will make sure that this is truly something you want to do. Your sacrifice to God needs to be of your own voluntary will. That's what I'm trying to say. If you're going to give to God something, it has to be out of your voluntary will. When Jesus saves you, it is only because you accepted him as your Lord and personal Savior. He never shoved it down your throat. And so we know that God makes it clear that if you're going to do something for him, it's going to be because you you decided to do it. It was never out of a force of hand. Nothing was forced on you. Another thing you want to keep in mind, and if you turn back to Leviticus here, something else that we notice about these sacrifices that God was asking about is that they were perpetual. Now, that's just a fancy word to say that it has to be continued. Okay? They were personal, as in everyone had their voluntary will, And they were perpetual. It had to be continued. Now, in the application for us today, these sacrifices were to be done perpetually. Just just giving you context here. These were things that needed to be done every day. The burnt sacrifices that that this uh, passage is from was to establish a relationship with God in the Old Testament. A Jew would have to bring part of their livestock, their livestock. Okay, 
Now, you, I know you have your hand in Leviticus here. I won't have you turn to Hebrews. Hebrews 9.22 says, And almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without shedding of blood is no remission for sin. No remission of sin. The reason why they, were, they had to bring these livestock was to reestablish a relationship with God. They could not talk with God were it not for these sacrifices. But now in Hebrews 10.3, but in those sacrifices there is no remembrance again made of sins every year. So this had to be done continually. So now every Jew couldn't always afford a bullock, right? Not every Jew can afford a bull. Let's keep that in mind. But the interesting thing is God allowed them to have other things to be sacrificed as well. If you look in verse 5, it says, and he shall kill the bullock before the Lord, right? But then go to verse 10. And if his, and if his offering be of the flocks, namely of the sheep or of the goats for a burnt sacrifice, he shall bring it a male without blemish. Okay? And then turn, uh, turn your page if you need to, but look at verse 14. And if the burnt sacrifice for his offering to the Lord be of fowls, then he shall bring his offering of turtle doves or of young pigeons. Here's what I'm trying to say. God didn't make it for just a specific group of people. His relationship that he wants to have with God and man was not just for a specific group of people. Jesus Christ died for everyone, right? He's known as the Lamb of God. God made sure that he touched every social status that is available. Not just the rich who can afford a bull, not just the poor who can afford only a pigeon, but everyone, the Lamb, the Lamb of God. He didn't make it for only a specific class of people. He did it for every single person. And he has the same amount of access for the next person. Now, today as Christians, we just as much have full access to God. Correct? You don't have to go to a priest to talk to God. You don't have to go to anyone else. You can go directly to Jesus Christ and tell him all your needs, all your sorrows, everything that there is in life that you need. He's there to listen to you. Christians today have full access to God because of Jesus Christ. Jesus, the Lamb of God, finally came and died on the cross, removing the need to ever having to have a burnt offering. You imagine today if everyone here came with their own livestock? We'd have a line, and every single person, you know, depending on how much you can afford, you know, one person brings a bull, one person's going to bring a couple of goats, maybe. And we'd be here all day making these sacrifices, just so you could talk to God. But Jesus Christ did that long ago. He paid for that. You don't have to do it. You don't have to do those sacrifices on your own. See, Christ already paid those. And that's an amazing thing. Because you don't even have to touch the blood anymore. See, in Hebrews 10.10, all the way to verse 12, by the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Hebrews 10.11, and every priest stand the Stand it daily, ministering and offering oftentimes, and 
offering oftentimes the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But in 10.12, but this man, talking about Jesus Christ, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. Jesus Christ paid it once. You don't ever have to pay it ever again. You don't have to pay for your own sins. You don't have to make a blood sacrifice every time you, you come to God. That's an amazing thing because if we were under law, if we were in the Old Testament times, you would have to do this. So it means that every time you come to God, you don't have to carry a turtle dove. You don't have to come with a goat. You don't have to come with a bull. You can meet on a Sunday and you can worship because Jesus shed his blood for you. But what does that say about your duty towards God as a Christian? There's a perpetual need, a continual need for Christians to still be giving to God. Surely we don't have to do anything. God is not forcing you to do anything. But it is our, still our choice to want to do something for God. The one who died, bled and died for you. It's an appreciation, a token of appreciation of your own love. And just, so, just to give you an idea how much do we appreciate love, we give a theme, we give a month to the theme of love. That's how much we appreciate it, right? What is the theme? Uh, what is the month that has that theme? February, right? Just this last Valentine's Day, there were the top five purchases which were candy, greeting cards, events, flowers, and jewelry. The average man spent, this is, I'm talking about Valentine's Day 2019 in Canada. The average man spent $230, and the average lady spent $98. Just this last Valentine's Day, how, how many think uh, was spent? Just the, on the one day of Valentine's Day. One billion? Anyone for one billion? 10 billion? I shot really high. You, you feel like I shot too high or something like that. 50 billion? No? <laughs> $12 billion were spent just on Valentine's Day, February 14. That just shows you that we are indeed willing to spend our money. We're willing to sacrifice when it comes to love. When we love someone, we are willing to spend it. We are willing to spend. We are willing to show appreciation for everything that that person does. And you know that God even gives you every single day. Think about it. We don't take much, uh, we don't take much thought of it, of it, but it's actually taken for granted most of the time. If you were able to wake up this morning, you can thank God for that. Because there were some people that weren't. If you can see right now, you can thank God for that, because there's some people that can't. If you can shoot a basketball, you can thank God for that. There's a lot of muscles that are involved in the shot. But just the fact that each one of those muscles can, can move simultaneously in sync is amazing. And you can still thank God for that. And this just goes to show how much God gives to you Every single day. How much more can we show back our appreciation to God when we give back to Him? Also, there's always more that you can give to God. You can always give thanks to God throughout your day. Make it a habit to talk with God. 
Make it a habit when you wake up in the morning that the first hours that you spend with God, think about it. He spends every single moment making sure that you're okay, making sure that everything is going according to his will in your life. So, how much more do we owe him? How much more? As you go through your day, be sensitive to what the Holy Spirit would even ask you to do. What, you, what he would ask you to give of, you, of your time, your talents, or your efforts. For me, when I first got saved, when I first accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and personal Savior, I was only 17. I didn't have a job. And I don't know about talents, but I had a few. I, I didn't really think about it too much, but I really wanted to do something when it comes to giving to God. I wanted to do something because I knew that I wanted to give, but I felt like I had nothing with me to give. So I, I talked with a pastor, and uh, what he said was, well, what do you have left? And, you know, I looked at my stuff, and I was like, okay, well, I, I don't have treasures because I don't have a job, so maybe I have time and talents. I'm like, okay, well... Let's start with time, okay? So what I did right after high school, every day right after high school, after class is over, take the bus home, walk from home to church, do my homework in the church, and then I would ask the pastor, is there anything to do in the church? Is there anything to do in the church? What can get done? What needs to get done? And sure enough, little by little, sometimes, most of the time, it was moving chairs from one end to another, but a lot of projects started showing up more and more. And I was able to give of my time. And that's, this made me the happiest person on earth because I was able to serve God with my time. At some point, there came the talents. And I, I was good in art. I, I wouldn't say I'm amazing, but I'd say I was okay. And one of the things with drawing comes design. So I was able to learn a little bit of Photoshop here and there. So the pastor gave me jobs for Photoshopping. Photoshopping as in making things like these, right? Any tracks that showed up, uh, he started giving me those jobs. I started to work on making tracts, making invitations for church, making little slides like these. And sooner or later, he gave, me, gave over that whole ministry to me, and I was doing those. But then I realized that God was now using not only my time, but now he's using my treasures, uh, my talents as well. And eventually the job came as well. And now I'm able to give out of my treasures. But just to, see, just to say, I was never forced to do it. Those were things that I wanted to do just because I love God. Just because I wanted to do more. God desires that we give him perpetually, give him continually, daily. Give to God daily, and I'm sure that the blessings will start to come as well. The last part that we can, hear, uh, that we can see here in Leviticus, are you guys all in there, in uh, Leviticus? And here in verse number three. If his offering be a burnt sacrifice of the herd, let him offer a male without blemish. The one last thing that God requires when we give to him, not only should it be out of our own free will, 
Not only should it be continual, but that it be perfect. Personal, perpetual, and perfect. God wants you to give him something that you believe is your best. How often can we honestly say that we've given our best? Because the devil will make sure that when we give to God, we're not giving the best, you know. Maybe back in that day, they would give the lamb. Like you would hear, you, you would see, you know, the cunning, the cunning Israelite who would bring his sheep, but he wouldn't bring his best sheep. No, he would keep it for himself. He would bring the sheep that had a broken leg, maybe. And he would say, yeah, it's my perfect sheep. But it wasn't his best. And I think this also happens with us. I think even in my life it has happened where I didn't quite give God the best. I held back something. And I think this is something that every Christian has an issue with. Have you ever thought about your sacrifice if it was really your best? And honestly, what is the best that you can possibly give God? I'll have you turn to Romans. And this is the last time I'll have you turn. And we'll stay there. Romans chapter 12. And verse 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The best sacrifice that you can give to God is yourself. It's very simple. I mean, you give yourself to your employer, right? You're giving him your time, you're giving your talents, and you're giving your treasures in in a form or another. But how hard would would it be to give your life to God? How amazing would it be if you gave your life to God? See, the thing is, when you give your life to God, what happens is that God now has full control of what he can do with you. He can do much more with a person given than just treasures given. Because now he has your your time, your talents, and your treasures all together because he has you. We have examples of people who've given themselves completely to God throughout our Bible. We have Moses. He called down ten plagues on Egypt. He split the Red Sea. He led over two million people. Think about it. One guy, two million people. Right? Through a wilderness, not only for one year, not only for two years, not for ten years. For 40 years, he put up with these stubborn people. It was because he was fully given to God. Noah, he believed God. For 120 years, he was spending his life building an ark and preaching. While the world was mocking him, while the world was making fun of him because he was building a giant vessel, he did what God wanted him to do because God had full control of his life. You have a lady like Ruth, 
She was fully committed to God. When she was given the choice to change her direction and go back to Moab, she chose, no, I'm going to stick to Israel. I'm going to follow God. I'm going to follow him fully. And what ended up happening is that she ended up becoming the great-grandmother of King David. You even have Sarah, who gave her life to follow her husband out of the Ur of the Chaldees. You understand that Abraham was practically Elon Musk of Ur of the Chaldees, right? The guy was super rich. And now God was calling him out. And Sarah, you want to leave all of this to go start a nation? But she did it by faith. She gave her life to God. And not only that, God said that I'm going to start a nation from you. She was 65 years old and she was already barren. She was fully given to God. That's the reason why. That's the reason why God was able to do that. It was because they were given fully to God that they were able to be used of him. The greatest sacrifice that you can give to your uh, that you can give God is your life. A living sacrifice, your whole being. A life that is fully surrendered to God. So, in conclusion, Perhaps this is the first time you've ever heard of this. Perhaps this is the first time you've even considered this. Perhaps you have never really given thought to what you can actually give to God. What can he use? Something voluntary. Something that you personally give. That he's not going to force out of you. Something that you can give continually. But something that's your best. Your perfect. Your perfect gift. God deserves the best. A hymnist once penned this. Give of your best to the master. Give him first place in your heart. Give him first place in your service. Consecrate every part. Give and to you will be given. And his, and his beloved son gave. Gratefully seeking to serve him. Give him the best that you have. Consider giving to God some of your time. Consider giving to God some of your talents and your treasures. Consider giving to God your whole life. Imagine what he could do through your life. Let's all stand and let's bow for prayer.